Hello, everyone. Hope you're keeping safe. Welcome back to yet another Energy Hall of Fame. This is Chris Atsuraki, co-CEO at NVR, and as always, I will be together with my head of institutions, Madalena Suarez El Bulgaria. And today we will be hosting yet another keynote episode featuring Dr. Findel Masangane, CEO of the Petroleum Agency of South Africa, also known as PASA. I'm particularly excited about this episode, as South Africa is one of the most attractive oil and gas destinations among EMPs, with tons of opportunities and upcoming projects. Dr. Findil will be sharing with us exclusive information on the current exploration regime, if and how COVID has affected PASA's plans, the status of the upstream and that of recent discoveries, and last but not least, we will be unveiling more information on our 2021 partnership promotion program with PASA and the private sector in South Africa. Without any further ado, let me welcome Dr. Findel, as well as my co-host, Madalena. Welcome, ladies. Thank you, Chris, once again. And yes, today is a great day. Thank you so much, Dr. Findil Mazangan, for joining us. Uh, it's great to have South Africa as part of the project. Welcome. Thank you, Madeline. It's really, we're really grateful to have one more very dynamic lady with us today, as I forementioned. I mean, all the way from South Africa, lots of conversation to be made today. And I'd like to first uh, start um, with a very uh, simple question. So we all know, or we should know, and uh, be aware about the Petroleum Agency. It is South Africa's agency. In terms of your role in the agency, what are your duties? What are your responsibilities in the organization? Greetings to everybody and thank you for inviting me to the podcast. My name is Pindile Masangane. I'm the chief executive officer of the agency. So I am responsible for developing the strategy and reporting to the board of directors. As the CEO, of course, I lead a very dynamic team. Uh, the Petroleum Agency of South Africa has close to 85 employees, most of whom are geologists, as you can imagine. Of course, of course. And could you give us some more information about the role of the agency within the petroleum sector or the energy sector in South Africa? Yes, the Petroleum Agency of South Africa, commonly called PASA, is the oil and gas regulatory authority of South Africa. So we are the entity of government that is responsible for evaluating South Africa's petroleum resources. We manage the National Petroleum Resource Data Repository. So all the information that you want, uh, the data, the geological data you want about our petroleum resource, PASA keeps that data on behalf of the government of South Africa. And then we go out and promote South Africa's prospectivity to upstream oil and gas companies globally. And then once you come to South Africa, we are the ones that will receive your license applications, process them, and make a recommendation to the minister to grant or not to grant a license or a permit to operate in our upstream oil and gas sector. So that's who PASA is. It's, it's a regulatory authority responsible for licensing the upstream oil and gas sector. 
So we're we're talking now about the exploration in in the country in South Africa. We've had some really positive news the past few weeks. But can you take us just a step back and talk about uh, more about the current exploration regime in the country? Give us an indication about which blocks are currently being explored, as well as you know what are the other exploration opportunities for other ENP companies looking to invest today in South Africa. So, yes, our exploration activities look really promising uh, now. The Petroleum Agency of South Africa, as I said, is responsible for evaluating the petroleum resource. So we've got a map on our website that shows where we think we've got good petroleum resources. And additionally, on that map, you will see which blocks are still available. We do have a number of blocks that are available offshore. Uh, We also have some blocks available onshore, though our offshore side shows more prospectivity than our onshore. So investors can look onto that map. You will see which blocks are still available. Uh, So we divide the map into the west coast, into the south and into the east coast. So you'll see those areas that are not blocked and we've already done the division of the acreage into blocks. So those blocks that are not shaded are the blocks that are available, particularly on our deep sea. So I want to ask, uh, together with Madalena, and this is your favorite topic, uh, (laughs) Mada, (laughs) we hear about the opportunities, right? Like there is an opportunity here, onshore, offshore, etc., so the next question is Madalena. Yes, uh, thank you. And it is indeed a very, uh, a very important question because every time that we speak with agencies or with ministries or people in charge of evaluating and granting exploration opportunities in the country, many times we look into the opportunity side. But now, especially during COVID, it's also important to see the other face of the coin, right? So what are the main challenges that at the moment you feel that South Africa is having? And what has been your plan or at least what is on your mind in terms of how can we tackle some difficulties that the exploration landscape can be uh, witnessing in the country? I mean, of course, there is the pandemic, which is affecting everyone. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, Mada, we've, we've gone a long way to put special regulations to enable exploration and production of our petroleum resources to continue in the country. We had a hard lockdown in March. The Cabinet, our cabinet went on around August to approve special regulations for the upstream oil and gas sector. That was just so that we could enable activities, commercial activities in this sector to go on. So we've resolved that uh, global challenge and we will welcome investors to please come to our shores. We are open for business, even though the country still has certain restrictions on the other commercial activities. And of course, We have guidelines around the social distancing, wearing of masks and so on. So the country is in what we call level one. But even while we were still at level three, we did open the petroleum sector. Our hard lockdown was called level five. So we've gradually moved down from level five. Level three, the petroleum sector opened up. Level one, most activities are open, but not all of them. That just shows the importance that uh, the government places on the upstream oil and gas sector. It was one of the first few to be opened 
In addition to that, the upstream oil and gas sector was opened even while the whole country was under international travel restrictions. But the oil and gas sector personnel or specialized skills were one of the few to be let into the country. So as a regulatory authority, we could write to cabinet and request certain skills to come in because they had some drilling activities to do. That's what happened with the loopage. And that's why we're able to commence drilling as early as September. So the pandemic is affecting everyone, but we've done everything to enable activities to go on. One of the things that you're you're mentioning, meaning that you have been acting quite fast and reacting quite fast to this uh, this pandemic, and it shows because South Africa is one of the very few countries that we can easily say that you have made progress instead of going back during the pandemic. You have encountered problems, of course, as as you have mentioned. However, I see that uh, you have also taken advantage of this uh, and you have connected better with your current with your current investors, with your current partners, and you are really doubling down on exploration. So having said that, in, in October, we had Total announcing that the Leopard uh, well uh, encountered, I think, 73, 73 meters of net gas uh, condensate play. And it's, I'm reading here, well-developed, good quality reservoirs. So this is excellent news for South Africa. Um, can you talk to us more about this project, how it is uh, proceeding, what the next steps are for, for this, and, and how it's also going to affect the entire oil and gas industry in the country? Will it uh, attract more investors? Will it attract more ENPs? Uh, so what's the plan and, and what does the future hold? What does it mean for South Africa's uh, oil and gas sector? Yes, the Lupet discovery is, is a very significant discovery for us, and it follows another discovery quite close to it in exactly the same block by the same partners. Last year, we announced Propalda, which was classified as one of the top 10 discoveries in 2018. And then come 2020, we declaring another discovery. So where we are now is that um, the partners of Lupet have gone on to test the well And they are currently analyzing the results. They finished the test towards the end of October, I think, beginning November. And we are going to meet with them as an agency in January. And based on the results, which will obviously talk to the pressure and so on of the of the well, we will then discuss with them what is the possible gas marketing strategy so that they can prepare for appraisal and development. So for now, as South Africa, and you will know that South Africa imports a lot of its petroleum resources and petroleum products, and this compromises security of energy supply into the country. You will know that we use about 160, I think, what's the units of what the units now of gas and most of that comes from Mozambique and our own national oil and gas company has got declining outputs so therefore for us as a government we are keen to engage with the partners to see if there is an opportunity to use this gas for our own domestic use You would have seen that in terms of the energy transition of the country, we want to use a combination of gas and renewables. This is so because South Africa comes from a coal-dependent energy mix. So by diversifying to gas and renewables will substantially reduce the country's carbon footprint. 
So we don't want that new energy mix to be dependent on imports because this is compromising our energy security, as I've already indicated, but importantly, negatively impacting our balance of payment as a country. Now, and that's a really good point that we also have been discussing exactly with Dave, who has been our speaker uh, at our global ENP and also Africa event, that South Africa is really putting a lot of thought on how to have everything sorted out in terms of energy security and in terms of having a comprehensive and healthy uh, energy mix exactly. So that's really good to, to leave also here and uh, this podcast, and it's very important moving forward. I want to take you a bit back to oil and gas just because as you know at this point we work a lot with governments and we really support them to in the entire process of business development and helping them bring more investors into the country so countries that have licensing rounds or that just have um, a simple open door system and we'll have accredited that is going to be um, assigned to some companies or awarded to some companies we want to know a bit more about the available seismic data that you have at the moment, or even if you feel that there could be more, uh, what can you tell to potential investors to jump in on that area? Because South Africa is a very large uh, country that has a coastline of around 3,000 kilometers. So what is available at the moment and where can companies uh, join the exploration? How can they join the exploration landscape? Yeah, we do have a lot of exploration data that's that's available. On our coast, we have more than 300,000 line kilometers of 2D seismic data and over 40,000 square meters, or square kilometers, sorry, of 3D seismic data that is available. Interestingly enough, as I indicated, we also have a good prospectivity on our onshore. And there you have a lot of data that was collected a long time ago in the 1960s. We have close to 10,000 kilometers of seismic data that has been processed for our onshore basins. That's the Karoo as well as the Zululand Basin. All this data is available for any potential investor to view. So if you go to our website again, it will tell you to send you a link of where to go if you want to view our seismic data. And also, importantly, once there's something that you've identified that you want to dig deeper into, you can request and purchase this data from our data room. So the link to our data room, again, is on our website. But as you correctly indicate, Mada, we do have a lot of seismic data that's available. So we are proud of the amount of seismic data that has been collected over the last few years. And therefore, we do not believe that we are still a frontier country. You know, the, the amount of basic data that is available we believe that it's enough to inform investors of a go no go decision in terms of South Africa, and we hope that they'll find this data useful. That's very important. And one one of the things that um, I want to ask you in terms of the data room, just to uh, let people know, how have you gone about? Um, is it your own data room, something that that Pasa has developed and and owns, or is it a collaboration that you have worked uh, with a company that is um, providing this for you? How does it work exactly? The data that we have actually is our own data. As I indicated, we've got a number of highly skilled staff here. So we collect that data ourselves. Um, Sometimes we collect it through what we call data sharing agreements. So we have what is called a reconnaissance permit. And this is one class of uh, service providers that we do um, 
want to indicate today that we'd like to invite them to partner with PASA. So in the instance of a reconnaissance permit, it's one of those service providers, it's a class of service providers that just indicate that they don't want to do any exploration and production. But what they do want to do is collect data over some acreage that they find interesting. So they'll look at the preliminary data that we have, and then we enter into a data sharing contract with them, wherein they collect the data and we both market the data. So that's how some of our data is collected through these data sharing agreements with third parties. And, and that's how we uh, deposit it. But importantly, it's that those companies that are already licensed for exploration activities, by law, they should uh, give their data to PASA. And if for one reason or another, they decide to relinquish the acreage, and by the way, sometimes they are required to do so by legislation because what we do do in South Africa is to allow an initial right or permit to be issued over a very large area. And following initial data acquisition, we require you to relinquish some of the site. And you find that that block is actually high prospectivity. So even the, the sites that are relinquished, still have got very good prospectivity. But because the data is already handed over to PASA, we have that data. So those are our means of collecting the data. But it's our own data room. The data room is PASA's data room. Exactly. This is something that I wanted to make sure that people listening uh, and being interested in, in the country could uh, you know, understand completely that you exactly you own the, the data, the data room is yours, uh, etc. And they don't have to go through a different partner. Uh, an external partner, let's say. So that makes it smooth. That makes it very easy to to access uh, as well. And they have to deal only only with you. Definitely, yes. Exactly. One thing that I'm very curious uh, about, and it's one of my favorite questions, actually, towards countries. South Africa, again, I have to say, very successful example of managing and navigating the pandemic. What is this key to your success? Does it have to do at all with the number one issue that ENP companies face right now? Uh, not attractive legal fiscal incentives. I think that South Africa does have a very concrete and very interesting legal uh, background and an incentive set up for the EMP companies. So how do you consider this uh, to be affecting the interest received by international companies, exploration companies? So yes, but the, the current fiscal framework is one that is very attractive. You will recall that South Africa for a very long time was under the apartheid regime and therefore many companies were not located in South Africa. So for a very long time, we depended, we depended on our national oil and gas company that's called Petro SA to do all the exploration and production. So that means our industry here is behind if you compare us to our neighbors. Yet we've got equally good prospectivity. So you'll know that uh, Angola is a good player and a, and a high producer in the African continent, Nigeria as well, Mozambique. That's because those countries were able to attract international oil and gas company, whereas South Africa is a newcomer on the block. We only had international oil and gas companies coming into South Africa post-1994. 
And by oil and gas standards, that's very late. I mean, our neighbors were already producing by that time. But we've moved quickly, as I've said, in that time to make sure that we collect all the early exploration data that is required. So what we did is recognizing that we're coming in late. We set a very attractive fiscal framework. Even though we are in the process of revising our upstream petroleum resource development uh, legislation from the current one that we have, which is a combination of both minerals and petroleum resources. So we want to split them so that we have a standalone petroleum legislation. We want to assure everyone that as government, we will continue to have a competitive fiscal framework even under the new legislation. And indeed, even under the new legislation, companies can still continue to apply for the permits and rights. And government is looking at concluding fiscal stabilization agreements in the event that you reach production before this new legislation comes out. But we are fully aware as government that it is this attractive fiscal framework that attracted companies to our show when we came in in 1994. So therefore, we want to continue with this competitive age that we have on the fiscal uh, framework. Now, I think we're completely aligned because one of the main discussions, especially during 2020, was how can countries make sure that they have the perfect combo or the, the perfect combination to attract the private sector to come and invest And exactly as you say, uh, fiscal intensives are always mentioned as top three concerns of companies that they will consider before jumping in. Another one will be, for example, political uh, stability, which obviously South Africa is also great about. So we agree that South Africa is really getting into position to be um, perceived as a great destination for uh, upstream companies and then the value chain. We also know that this fiscal regime is being just re-evaluated. We have been talking about this with Dave. So I, I just have two small questions here. The first one is, do you have any idea when can we expect that this new uh, or this updated regime is going to be out? And the second one will be, how is this being portrayed or communicated to companies that maybe are not as close as markets uh, as in Gold or in Namibia or Mozambique that we've been talking about, but how can you or how can the agency communicate this, globally speaking? We first published the first draft of this Upstream Petroleum Resource Development Bill, as it is now, so that's a draft legislation, we call it a bill. We published it in December of um, 2019, so about a year ago. Unfortunately, because, yeah, it's almost exactly a year. Unfortunately, because of COVID, we could not do a lot of the stakeholder consultation because we, we were restricted in terms of travel and legislation development in our country requires that we do extensive stakeholder engagement. So we only restarted this about two months ago and the team has now finalized inputting all the comments that stakeholders have given us. We've socialized the draft with our oil and gas uh, sector um, sector players who are already in the country, and we've had extensive inputs from them. If you had listened to the to our president's economic reconstruction and recovery plan, he mentions this bill as one of his top priorities to make sure that the economy quickly recovers, and he makes there a commitment that by December 2021. 
he wants this legislation to be finalized um, by parliament. So December 2021, right? December 2021, yeah. So 12 months, another 12 months. So it will be introduced to parliament before parliament goes for the Christmas break. Since we're talking always about uh, upstream opportunities and now we have a date that we can expect that things will be completely um, in place. Um, I just want to go a bit further down the value chain, right? Because many times we just focus a lot on ENP companies that are looking into upstream opportunities. But of course, one of the things that will that they will check in that same market is how many or who are the available service providers that will have that already in place, are already set up in the country. Country and that can support me in my day-to-day activities. So looking into service providers, uh, what do we have in South Africa and what sort of incentives is the country giving for new and more companies to jump in? That's a good question and you're correct that companies always ask themselves, do I have a good market uh, for service providers? As I indicated, our um, upstream oil and gas sector is still at infancy, so it's still developing uh, with the National Oil and Gas Company as the only well-established player, if I can put it like that, who've been exploring and producing for a number of years. The other companies are, are still at exploration stage. And as with all industries that are still at its infancy, you find that our support services are not widely represented, so there isn't a wide pool. But what we do as the regulator is that we do provide any exploration company with the list of service providers that are here. So we do tell them that there are certain activities that can be fully supplied by South African companies and are mature, your helicopter services, uh, fuel supply. We've got a lot of skills in South Africa. We've done a lot of training when it comes to geologists, uh, geoscientists. So we've got a lot of that. However, we do recognize the fact that we still have to bring in a lot of international services and we will never restrict a company to do that. So they can still bring in their specialized skills. They can bring in their specialized services because we do understand that we have limited suppliers in this regard. So there won't be a restriction for you to bring in your own partners from your country of uh, origin. Makes a lot of sense. And it's very interesting, uh, Dr. Fintil, that uh, South Africa has uh, a very long list of important service companies uh, already established in, in South Africa that could be, you know, they have been investing uh, abroad. And that's a very good opportunity to give them the incentives to invest back in, in South Africa. True. I mean, we saw with the Lupe drilling program that we've just, uh, that has just concluded that they were not short of supply of services. So it really is not a bottleneck at all. And you are correct that some South African companies, because of the limited market we had, which is still at a growth stage and at an infancy stage, actually went to our neighboring countries. They didn't even have to go abroad. Many companies that provide services in, in Angola are actually South African companies. For us, it's a matter of taking them from neighboring countries. You don't have to go far. You know, most of the companies that service the oil and gas sector in Angola, actually South African companies, Nigeria, it's the same issue. Interestingly enough, even Mozambique, you know, Mozambique's a large program, as you know, because it's such a mega project that they're developing, is serviced by South African companies. 
But as I indicated, for the services that we have, of course, we, as part of our role, is to make sure that ENP companies are not short on where to go to the market. We have a list of those domestic companies that can support the industry. And then where we don't have, we always uh, are free to support you to bring those uh, services. This is very important, super important for local content reasons, for facilitating more partnerships with uh, the local companies as well as attracting internationals. So that takes me to a question I'd like to ask. Uh, now that you have mentioned your, your neighbors, your neighboring countries, uh, how is uh, PASA working in towards developing more regional partnerships or are you interested in developing them further? Uh, which countries would you like to learn more about? For example, yeah, really admire what's happening in Mozambique. I would like to speak with the authorities about X, Y, Z, because we think we could implement it in, right here and now or in the future in South Africa. How do you develop these uh, regional uh, discussions, roundtables or partnerships with, uh, with the neighbors, with na- neighboring um, regulators? Uh, yes, we do have a good partnership. As you know, we've got a trading block here, which is called the Southern African Development Corporation, SADAC region, as we call it. And we want to develop a regional gas market together and trade depending on who produces gas first and trade with each other, uh, the gas and use gas to develop the region before we export it. So that's the primary objective of all that has been set by the SADAC energy ministers. Importantly, of course, is that our basins are also interconnected and South Africa sits right in the middle. So to our immediate left or to the west, I wonder why I'm saying left, to our west is, is obviously Namibia. And with Namibia, actually, we share the Orange Basin. And the Orange Basin is also going for a drilling campaign at the beginning of January. On the same basin, literally across the fence, it's the South African waters. And we've licensed exactly the same players that will be drilling on the Mozambique side. So myself and the Namibian upstream oil and gas regulator, and I think this is because we're both ladies, <laughs> Maggie, we talk a lot about our exploration programs to see which drilling is going in her country and what are we planning as South Africa. We also share a basin which is where our shale gas is. That shale gas basin, actually, which is in our Karoo, extends to Namibia as well. So we share notes around what is she doing to develop regulations for shale gas. As you know, there's always sensitivities around shale gas development. So we want to make sure that as South Africa, we set a very robust regulatory framework before we start licensing for shale and gas. And we have ongoing discussion with the Mozambique chief executive of authority there. And we share notes and she will be sharing with us when their drilling campaign starts because the results of that drilling campaign has got huge implications to our own Orange Basin. To the east side, of course, is Mozambique. The big Mozambique finds are interesting to everybody in the world. Importantly is that we already import a lot of gas from Mozambique, as I indicated earlier on. And for us, it's about this continuation of South Africa serving as as a good market for Mozambican gas. 
Perfect. So I think we are approaching the end of this podcast, but we always have to um, do this transition into what can we expect in the near future from the agency, right? So we've been speaking about the impact of COVID and how the country in the last years has been preparing to set up a national industry that is strong and healthy at the eyes of international investors. But now we want to know or to hear some last words on what the agency is uh, preparing and doing for 2021. Uh, it's still going to be a challenging year. COVID is not gone yet. So what can we expect as further steps, maybe in Q1 and Q2? And what have you been preparing for us? As we go into Q1 and Q2, we are aware that the oil price is going to remain depressed. But as South Africa, we are encouraged with the conversations we are having with um, exploration and production companies. Our East Coast drilling campaign, our speaking to our investor there, is still very much on track. So we are likely to see a drilling campaign on our East Basin or Zulu Basin. And we really are looking forward to that because as an agency, as I indicated, we do our own evaluations in terms of this petroleum resource. And we believe that's a highly prospective area, similar to the South Basin, where the latest discovery has been made. Of course, we expect the work to continue on that basin. Uh, appraisal will start very soon, probably not in the first two quarters of the year, but that's when we'll be engaging with them around the gas market development. Another interesting activity in our region is the drilling campaign on the Orange Basin, which though it's the Namibian side, and we share the, the Orange Basin with, with Namibia. So one half of the basin is on the Namibian territory and the other half is on the South African territory. So Shell is preparing to do drilling there. And of course, the results on the Namibian side of the basin has got a huge implication to our South African side. So with Mozambique and in partnership with Mozambique, we're looking forward to the drilling campaign, which will start early in quarter one of 2021 on the Orange Basin. And as I said, it's got huge implications for us. So yes, in spite of the depressed oil and gas price, we still see our exploration program here still very much on track. And I think that's being encouraged by the recent discovery that we made. One last question, sorry, Krisa, because I'm uh, I'm also interested in this. Are you starting to look at unusual or new markets that usually South Africa is now working with? Because we see some sub-Saharan nations looking into India and Russia and China to look for maybe smaller but more agile ENP players that have never really landed uh, on their own national market. But maybe now, due to different experiences or, or levels of expertise, they are being very welcome to, um, to participate in this exploration activities. Is South Africa doing any specific efforts to communicate to these companies or not yet? Not yet, and probably that's where we can get a lot of advice from you, Meda, because <laughs> you talk with a lot of we would really propose a joint activity to attract this player. So we do have a diversification strategy. So as I indicated, our history is that we're highly dependent on our national oil and gas company. That's because of the sanctions we had post-1994. What we are proud of is that we've attracted a lot of the big international oil and gas companies. But we want to diversify. We also want to have the small players because they tend to be more risk-taking and so on. 
And also importantly, we want to encourage domestic players. So we would really welcome any thoughts from you around how can we promote our country and our the good prospectivity that we have to these other co- uh, companies, more agile, as you call them, independents, uh, smaller players. We would really welcome those into our country. And we must find a way of attracting them. Exactly. If you allow me to add a comment here, uh, Madalena, I think that uh, this is very important what you're saying, really going towards a diversification of investors and partners is the key to moving towards a very healthy 2021. You already got it uh, nailed right there. One other thing I'd like to comment on is that it, it it's also very important. It's high time that we actually look into different methods, different systems and different paths that can enable and attract this type of partners because, you know, the traditional is not working anymore. The traditional methods are already obsolete. And, and if we got something from 2020, it's exactly this. We need to try different methods. We need to go out uh, in the markets and we need to find right, suitable and different partners for our projects. Definitely. And um, here it would be nice to have a partnership with your team on suggested methods that you have. We would really, really like to partner and take the country's good prospectivity out there to other players. We're more than than happy uh, and delighted to to do so, <laughs> Dr. Uh, Finden. It's for, for sure, for sure. So that takes me to one more uh, and last uh, topic. Uh, I'd like to mention for anyone that maybe is listening and is not aware that we have already established an endorsement partnership uh, with, with PASA for the upcoming event in 2021, you know, when all the flights are still going to are going to be available and we can travel uh, hopefully as much as we used to and business goes back to normal that we we have already established a, a small partnership uh, in the form of endorsement for an upcoming event uh, where you know the commitment from our team uh, is there and and we will be promoting the country as much as we we can and I'd also like to to hear Madalena's thoughts on the I'd like to invite you actually to discuss about it and let people know what they should be expecting and why this should really come down to um, South Africa and and have a chat and a meeting uh, with you in person. I, I will just add before the last comment of, uh, of Dr. Findil because this is a very important a very important step of this collaboration, right? Because back in uh, July when we first started speaking with Dave uh, for our global ENP, we had over 320 people from IOCs and ENPs attending. So we're talking about hundreds of people delivering directly to us a very transparent comment and feedback on how they felt about the overall markets that we had present, which were over, what I don't even remember, over 20 or 30 countries in the same events uh, represented by their NOCs, ministries. And it was very interesting to see that in the end, when we collected all the feedback and started understanding who would be more interested in what market, South Africa is perceived as a very interesting country to give a first thought about. Of course, there is always a lot of work behind um, the process from 
overall interest to actually bidding or committing with a contract, but this was very positive in our end. So starting to plan this event that will indeed make an effort to bring new and more companies to come to South Africa to, to gather more in- information, to have one-on-one meetings also with the agency, it's, um, it seems very promising. And we're sure that it's going to break some ice in, in the process of uh, establishing new long-term collaborations to develop the oil and gas industry in the country. So we are very, very happy to start this. Of course, uh, we also want to thank you for the trust because uh, it's it's a very comprehensive project, but we're very excited about it. <laughs> yeah, we also excited to partner with you and we're looking forward to the event in 2021. Uh, for us, it's, it's, a, it's a big event and we will be available for side meetings with investors. We will be participating in the program, actively participating in the program. And of course, we are in sunny and beautiful Cape Town. Why would people not come? <laughs> Never mind the good prospectivity that we have. As soon as the flights are open, I'm sure everyone would like to come to a great Cape Town, beautiful Cape Town. We've got... Uh, Absolutely. (laughs) We've got a lot of tourist activities to do, and we also have a good lineup in terms of the upstream oil and gas sector to discuss. Absolutely. We were leaving everyone with this promise uh, to come and visit you in beautiful Cape Town. I have never been myself. I'm very, very much looking forward to it. It's one of my dreams (laughs) since I was a kid. I just haven't visited uh, so far, but now it's it's one. It's a great opportunity. So um, I want to encourage everyone to uh, do two things. Number one, to go on your website and really go uh, and check the the data, the blogs available, and start uh, engaging uh, into a conversation with you and your team. You're very open, very approachable, very. Uh, you're always there for uh, for investors, and this is something that we we have um, gotten as feedback as well. And uh, number two, to really sign up and, and, and come meet us in, in Cape Town. I don't know if, uh, Madalena, you want to add something. I know you're in super love with, uh, you're super in love with um, Cape Town and South Africa. So No, I think these are, uh, these are the final words indeed. Uh, in Portuguese, we have this expression that the best sort of business is when you can uh, merge both the um, effectiveness of business and the pleasant things which is going to be probably a wine tasting after after work <laughs> so yes thank you so much once again for oh, we also have the best uh, wine i forgot that part yeah we do have the best wine. absolutely <laughs> i did not because in portugal we have some good one but it's very difficult to compete with stalenbosch so it, it's <laughs> it's uh, a good uh, ending note. And Dr. Pindil, thank you so much for your time. It's a big honor, big pleasure as always. And uh, it's just the beginning. We will be in touch to know what comes next, okay? Thank you very much. Thank you, ladies, so much for this. Thank you. Thank you, Krisa. <laughs> of course, of course. So see you all in Cape Town.